global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are rallying after this morning's jobs report. The NASDAQ Composite Index trading above its record close for the first time in a year, putting it on the verge of joining the S&P 500 index at a record. S&P up 15 to 21.79, a gain of 7 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 1% now, up 53 points, 52.19 on the NASDAQ Composite Index. Dow Industrials up 161 points, a gain of 9 tenths of 1% to 18,513. The 10-year down 24.30 seconds, yield 1.58%. Gold down 23.90 the ounce to 13.38, a drop there of 1.8%. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, 41.84 a barrel, down 9 cents, a drop there of 2 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pallett, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Kim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Pakistan's gain is Citibank's loss. After a decades-long career on Wall Street, our next guest went on to become the finance minister and then the prime minister of Pakistan. I want to welcome to the program Shaukat Aziz, he is the former Prime Minister of Pakistan and the author of a new book entitled From Banking to the Thorny World of Politics. Prime Minister, thank you for being with us. It's my pleasure. Delighted to be here. Please describe where you were and the circumstances when you received a telephone call that changed your life. Well, I was in New York, 399 Park Avenue, Citibank headquarters, sitting in my office. My secretary, Pam I was attending a meeting in my conference room next to my office, and she came with a little piece of paper saying there's somebody on the line from Pakistan. They say there's some general who wants to talk to you. So I thought to myself, general, I don't know many generals there, but I said, Pam, are you sure? She said, yes. So I went out, took the call, and his secretary was on the line, and they connected General Musharraf to me. For the first time ever in my life, I spoke to him hadn't seen him before, and he talked about the fact that he had taken over, if you remember, just a few days before, and uh, he said, our economy is in dire straits. I need a professional who is uh, who can turn this whole economy around, because that's sort of the foundation of the whole country's revival. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, you seem to be one of the candidates we have sort of uh, done an exercise of Pakistanis living abroad, and your name pops up. So I'd like you to come and see me in Islamabad, Pakistan. And that's how it started. I, I wonder, uh, uh, Mr. Prime Minister Matt Miller here with Pim Fox, uh, weren't you at all concerned? I mean, going from the what I would assume is the fairly cushy life of a banker in the corporate world um, to uh, a, a military government in a, uh, in, a, in a fairly volatile part of the world, didn't you uh, give it a second thought before you went ahead and joined General Musharraf? No, I didn't join him then. I said, okay, I'll come and talk to you. And I then went to see Sandy Weil and John Reed. I had two bosses at the time because we had merged, as you remember, with uh, City Corp had merged with uh, Travelers Group. So we had from one chairman and CEO, we had two. And I told him this is the story, and uh, I think I should go. 
because he's now the president of the country, and if he wants to see me, I think, unless you two have any objection. They said, no, no, because uh, if he has called himself, spoken to you, <clears throat> what you do in the end, of course, we don't know. I didn't know also. I said, but at least I should go and talk to him. And at that point, I wasn't certain that I would uh, really accept it or not. I didn't, you know, I, I've never met the gentleman. So, and I, I told all this to Sandy and John, and they said, okay, uh, we think you should go and at least talk to him so that he doesn't then later on feel that you didn't respond to his request. And I took a flight and went and saw him. And then you eventually ended up in London on the way back to the United States, and you got another telephone call. Uh, which telephone call? Well, well, this, this has to do with them finally uh, getting to you and convincing no, no, you. That, to... that telephone call came in uh, New York when I was back. Uh, well, speak, then, then speak a little bit about when you actually did decide to join. Uh, well, to I went join. and saw him, and I had never met him, so I was curious what he's all about. And then he had uh, me meet his uh, sort of core group of generals. And this is the first time I stepped into our equivalent of the Pentagon, if you know what I mean. So it was, uh, for that, to that extent, I was curious. I was also, I also went with a lot of trepidation, not knowing what's in store and what they have in mind and what will happen to the country. These were early days. So uh, I had a chat, and they said, what do you think of our economy? I said, it's not well managed, and you are in serious trouble. You have cash flow issues, etc., and uh, a lot of surgery is needed. They said, okay, after a discussion, we'll come back to you. We are talking to several people. I said, no problem. I, anytime you need free advice, just call me. We can talk on the phone from now on. So no offer was made in that trip. A couple of Then I came back, and that's what you're talking about, the second call. I came back to New York, and then I was doing my normal life as a, one of the seniors at Citibank. So we had a conference in London. I walked into my hotel room, and the phone rang, and that's what you were alluding to. That's exactly what happened later, much Did later. Did you, Mr. Prime Minister, did, uh, did you effectively act as a bridge then between uh, Pakistan and um, the global uh, investment banks that you uh, were, were employed by before, or did Pakistan already have a decent relationship with, with banks like Citi? Yeah, Pakistan, I mean, was not really dealing much with the private banks, like, I mean, private meaning commercial banks, sorry like Citibank or J.P. Morgan, etc., they were mostly in the IMF World Bank orbit, if you know what I mean. Of course. Uh, they were used to dealing with development institutions rather than commercial. They had accounts, of course. Every government and every institution needs accounts to clear their dollar payments in New York. and uh, So they had accounts with us, but we, it was not an active relationship. I, I had, there was no evidence that we were close to the government in any way. Can you just tell the story about when you were campaigning because you had to become a member of the uh, uh, of parliament in order to assume some of your duties, and you were campaigning in the Atok district. That is correct. Tell us what happened. What happened is this was the last day of my campaign. You know, this is fast forward. I, I was finance minister, and then because we did a good job, we turned things around. The general consensus was... Why don't we make him the prime minister of the country? Prime minister, as you know, is the chief executive, although in this case we had the president also very active. 
because he came from the military at the time and he had done the coup. So anyway, uh, that was the last event and I was euphoric. I was very excited. The campaign has gone well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this was to be an MP, member of parliament, because we have the parliamentary system of government like the British have because we were a colony of Britain, so we followed that process. And uh, long story short, I gave a very emotional address to an emotional rally of uh, several thousand people, and then it came. Uh, we finished the meeting. I walked out of the canopy. There was a huge circus-type canopy where these couple of thousand people were there to get into my car, which was by now in the campaign they give you security and a bulletproof, bomb-proof car in case somebody tries to act funny. And I was, uh, I sat in the car, and about five seconds later there was a huge explosion on one side of the car. My driver just, and this was a level seven car, level seven of armored, armoring, armored vehicle, degree yeah. of armoring of a car. So it's bomb-proof, bulletproof, so they say. But in actual fact, there was a huge bomb which exploded next to my car. And it was uh, targeted at my door, but I don't want to go into unnecessary details. But because of various reasons, the car had moved without the person who pressed the button to explode the bomb knowing that. So there's these two seconds gap. And in that, the car had moved about three feet or two feet, sorry. So it hit the driver's door rather than my door. The driver died instantly in my, he fell like this into my arms. I was behind him. It was quite a shock. I had not expected this coming from Manhattan in New York <laughs> to Islamabad to have a welcome like this. No, no, anyway, it's exactly so traumatic experience. It's exactly the kind of trauma that, that I'm thinking of. Uh, w w what conclusions did you come to then, and, and how do you think Pakistan now deals with yeah. the uh, effects of terrorism or the, yeah. the people that commit this terrorist acts? You know, I mean, there a lot yeah. of Americans feel like Afghanis uh, terrorists living in Pakistan get their help, even Osama bin Laden, maybe. No, this. Uh, so these were the ultra-right. They issued a statement from Cairo, Egypt. Al-Qaeda issued a statement from Cairo, Egypt, after the attack on me, that this person had been sent by the United States as in to be his their agent, and it was therefore decided by our high command to eliminate him before he assumes office. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to, that'll have to be a great tease for your book, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, because when, unfortunately we don't have any more time, but you can get his book, From Banking to the Thor Thorny World of Politics, and find out exactly how former Prime Minister of Pakistan, Shaukat Aziz, dealt with that situation. I'm Matt Miller with Pim Fox and the Bloomberg Advantage. This is Bloomberg.